0: To the Runners of the Bay podcast. This is Mimi. I'm here with Bridget. Hey, Bridget, what's up?
1: Hey, not much. I'm uh, recording from sunny, warm, relatively to what it could be Illinois.
0: I do see like a ray of sunshine on your face. Like you are drenched (laughs) in sunshine. So you're not lying. It is legit sunny there, apparently. It is.
1: Yeah, sunny and windy, which actually I think is the meanest weather combination because you're like tricked you're like oh look like temperature looks reasonable sunny outside and we started running and then it's just you know like 20 mile per hour winds Ugh. and it feels like so sneaky and mean like I I can understand the wind with storm okay wind comes with it I'm I'm ready for that but on a sunny day that is otherwise like just a lovely day.
0: The wind just feels mean. It's like it is it's mean, like trolling you a little bit. <laughs> no, I agree. The wind is mean. Yeah, mean. Just it mean. is the worst. I'll take like heavy rain on a run to wind any day. Totally,
1: any day. Yep, I'm I'm totally with you on that. How do you feel about daylight savings time?
0: Yeah, we were chatting about this a little bit. Um, I'm much more a fan of the fall. The fall iteration, the fall showing of daylight saving yeah. time. And I mean, the thing that a lot of our listeners probably know, which I announced to my entire work team on Friday, because I thought it was a great fun fact, is that uh, fall daylight saving times happens the New York City marathon weekend. So if you're running the marathon, it's like the best thing ever because you get an extra hour of sleep. So i I feel like I'm in the minority where I actually enjoy fall daylight saving time. I feel really like morbid saying this. I don't know. I don't mind it getting dark earlier. Like I like evenings. I like kind of winding down. I like winter and feeling cozy. Um, so it's not so much about the like sunshine for me. I think the hardest part of spring daylight saving time is just losing that one hour. You know, but I don't I don't have totally strong feelings about it. I think the hardest part is like, am I PDT? Am I PST? Like, what <laughs> time am I on? And like, MP, when people mess it up, it like drives me crazy. So I just put like PT and I just avoid that yeah. middle letter altogether. And so that's like my biggest gripe. And then I'm like, wait, what time zone is Arizona on now? Because they don't observe uh. it. And we're going to Arizona in a few weeks. And so I think they're now one, I'm not even going to say one hour. I don't know. I think it is the time where we are not on the same time zone at this point, but I could be wrong. Um, (laughs) so yeah, I just find it confusing at some points in time, but I don't, I don't necessarily mind it per se. Yeah.
1: It's interesting. You and I are actually very like-minded in this. I would prefer like earlier I would prefer light earlier in the day and I don't mind when it gets dark, even if it's dark at like five o'clock, I'm like not that mad about it. Yeah. But my partner, Adam is like, you want, you do not want to sit at a dinner table if this, and this comes up if you don't have a strong opinion, because he will get into it and he has a big daylight savings time. Like he wants the, he's of the daylight savings time should be all the time time. Got it. Um,
0: And like, it should be light. It should be. Dark earlier or lighter later?
1: Well, I guess it changes, right? So he wants oh. what we're in right now. So okay, we're recording this the first day of daylight savings time in this year. So he thinks that that ta- like this should just be the time that it is always. We should never fall back, um, which would mean for me, I'm like that would mean that even in like California, which isn't in an extreme given the the time zone, like it wouldn't get light until like sometimes like seven thirty in the yeah. morning. No, that to me is like way too confusing you can, I can work around early darkness, but like the lack of light in the morning is going to mess me up way, way, way more. So to me, I'm like, that's the unforgivable. I can work around the early darkness, but I like just getting no light in the morning. Oh no, 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 I don't want that. So yeah. But he doesn't care because he's an engineer and, you know, he'll roll out of bed whenever he wants.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice. I know my husband doesn't like have a meeting till 10 o'clock and I'm like, huh. Or I'll go into the office and he'll be like, I'm going to leave around nine and it's like 945. And I'm like, weren't you going to leave? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's the big yeah. controversy. I don't know. What else yeah. is going on with you? Anything new?
1: Not, not much. Just, you know, enjoying the running. I was like doing some like forward thinking about like, okay, you know, like Berlin, when does that kind of training block start? So just kind of getting like excited about that stuff. Had some, had a few like good runs. I'm really liking the Adidas super boost 22s. Adidas does not have a good naming convention. It's slightly better than New Balance, which is just like numbers but um I'm not yeah so I think it's the I think it's the ultra boost 22s. That sounds right. Big fan. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah.
0: I've been doing my easy runs in the ASICs Nova Blast twos, which I like. And you know I go through shoes like not because I like run through them or I necessarily need them. I just you know if anyone out there needs a shoe tester holler at me. But um (laughs) I've been really liking those. I've never really tried the Adidas. So maybe that's my next go-to. Although true confession today, I didn't really want to run. Um, and I've been taking a little bit of a break from running and I'll, I'll talk about this on a future podcast. And by a break from running, I mean, I haven't really stopped running. I just, I'm not doing long runs. I'm not racing right now. Like it's just kind of been easy. Um, but I have run every day the last two weeks, which makes me very proud of myself. But today I was like, Uh, I don't want to run, but I've been thinking a lot about like what like Shalane Flanagan and Brad Stolberg and Steve Magnus talk about of like mood following action. So it's less about like getting out there to run. It's more like, I just need my mood to follow action and I need to do something. Yeah. But today was a particularly difficult day. Um, just because I was, I was tired even though I slept like 11 hours last night. Um, (laughs) but I like put on an old pair of, um, of, uh, vapor flies. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, these have like 400 miles in them, but they feel bouncier and I'm just going to do it. Cause it's like, maybe it'll give me motivation. And it was great. And I went further than I thought I would go. And the best part of my run was on the way back. I was like less than a mile from my house. And this little girl is getting out of her car by a community center. And I'm wearing like the, the hot pink Vaporfly next presents. And she says to her mom, Look, she has pink shoes. And I was like, I do have pink shoes. (laughs) Oh, I love that. And they made me happy and they made her happy and it made the whole run happy.
1: Um uh, bit, bit of a, a rambly story. But <laughs> I was like, oh. oh, I love that. I think I yeah. I mean, when I need to get motivated, I'm like, okay, what's my like what's the running outfit that I have right now that I feel cutest in? We're putting on yep. that. We're putting on like my favorite socks that usually I save for races. And but I haven't always pulled out the like the fun race shoes. But I think that's a really good good idea, especially for the ones that like you're not going to race in them. They, you know, they're right. kind of top, they're, like they're already like dead 150 at this point. miles. You're like, all right, done. But you're still like, yeah, they feel, they, still, they feel fun. Yeah.
0: They still, they feel fun. They give you, they still give you an extra pop. Like, yeah, it was good. It was good. So mood definitely followed action today for me. Yeah.
1: That's been my motto lately too. I've literally been saying that to myself so much the last just couple of days being like, okay, mood follows action. Like I'm more in control of this than I think that it, cause it, when you're in a, just a funky mood, like it can feel like I can't, I have to just get through this. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. yes. And no, like, <laughs> <Right. you know? laughs> like, yes, you do. But also you don't just have to like sit there and be like, my mood is in control. I can't do anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, totally, but it's hard. It's hard.
0: Yeah, it is hard. Well, another thing that made me happy was when we got off this interview with uh, Morgan Mead. I like texted you afterwards, and I was like, "She's so sweet. I loved her story. I loved talking to her. I think that there's a lot of great takeaways in this one of you know coming to running, maybe you know seriously a little bit later in life. Relatively, I mean, in college, but just interesting stories about like walking onto a college team, starting out with a half marathon sort of, you know, just a a different way of how I think someone at Morgan's level and what she achieved even in college got into it. Totally.
1: Yeah. I, I love, I loved her perspective on running, um, showing up, you know, being, giving yourself like lots of, lots of goals because you don't even know where to put yourself you you don't even know how to have a goal i mean we talk a lot about just like what is it what does it look like to to run races for the first time and to show up knowing that you don't know what a lot of other people know and just totally embracing that newness and kind of sucking on that that the marrow of that bone for a while because it is really useful to get comfortable being a beginner and mm-hmm. Like for your own self, but also allowing the people around you to then be the experts. You know, it's it's great for personal development and for just team dynamics. So I've been I've been thinking a lot about this, um, and really want to go run with Morgan because she's just an awesome person.
0: Yeah, she seems like a lot of fun. But I think there's like in anything of sort of embracing, even if you've been doing something for a while. Of like when if you start something. A little bit new or there's a little bit take on it or a little new sort of spin on it that maybe you didn't have before like always showing curiosity and humility and like being open to learning such a great lesson really for anything like we're always growing in life and are never are never stagnant so yeah definitely looking forward to continuing the conversation with morgan running with her in person hopefully one of these days and just following what she does next oh yeah So with that, enjoy this episode with Morgan Mead. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. Today, we're so excited to have Morgan Mead on the podcast. Welcome to Runners of the Bay, Morgan.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. So to kick things off, we want to know, did you go for a run today? And if so, how did it go?
2: I did. I went for a recovery run, if you can call it that. It was a little bit of a slog this morning, but um, sometimes I like to treat myself on recovery days by going to a new place to like make it a little bit better, more exciting. So I went, it's not necessarily new, but I went to um, MH Bread and Butter and started from there and did a little bit around Phoenix Lake um, picked up some carbohydrates afterwards. Um, so I can't complain. And that was sloggy. It
0: it was awesome. (laughs) Nice.
1: I love that. (laughs) I could have used a croissant this morning.
0: (laughs) Oh, I had lots of croissants over the weekend. It was great because they were like mini (laughs) croissants and this bakery that we went to and they were like, no, we don't sell just one. And I was like, well, I guess I have to buy a bunch. But I love, I love this idea of like, you know, during recovery runs or like when it feels like a slog, just keeping it fresh and doing something different. I don't know that that seems like it would help people get out the door. So I love that. Absolutely. Making it a destination run, even if the drive is shorter
2: or longer than the duration of the run itself. (laughs) Uh, I've had plenty
0: of those. Yeah. Sometimes I drive and I like, I don't even know where I'm going to go. And I'm like, I just hope that the car like tells me where I'm gonna run. Inspiration just yeah. like hits you. <laughs> Inspiration on the road for sure, for sure.
1: Um, so what's a what's an early memory of running for you? Was it all croissants and and smiles and happy recovery runs? Oh my gosh, um, <laughs> I guess I'm a food motivated runner. I don't know. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> was it my earliest memory of running is probably running the mile in middle school. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just the worst day ever. I was not into running at the time. So I would go get, I would treat myself to an ice cream cone, um, the day that we had to run the mile in gym class. So that was my earliest memory. I never, like, I think I always did like surprisingly, like, okay at it, even though I didn't run at all. So, but in my mind, it was just the worst, like the worst torture, seven minutes of torture (laughs) you could do.
0: (laughs) Seven minutes of torture that now you voluntarily do again and again and again. So what was that evolution like from something that felt like torture to something that now you you like to do? Maybe hopefully it's not torture anymore. No, not at all.
2: I love it. It's so weird how things change over time. Um, So in middle school and high school. Actually, a lot of my friends were on the cross country and track team, but I never, I guess I just never had the confidence really to show up and try out. It seems so intimidating. And instead I did competitive cheerleading. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like the show cheer where they go and they have like a dance routine and they do the stunts. So that's the type of um, cheerleading that I did. And so I ended up leaving the school that I went to for middle school in the first years of high school. And I moved um, to a really rural small town in Ohio and continued to cheer, be on the cheer team there. It was more like sports cheering focused, like at football and basketball games though. So it wasn't as intense. I had a, you know, more free time. Um, and I started working at a shoe store, the finish line, it's an athletic shoe store in the evenings on the weekends. So I was exposed to a lot of running shoes. My managers and coworkers, a lot of them are runners. And I remembered like a lot of my friends had been on the cross country and track team. So I'm like, no one knows me here. Like, why not just show up? (laughs) Um, and I think actually I had tried to be on the track team my junior year, but I ended up getting like walking pneumonia. Um, so I couldn't participate. So I like spent the summer before my senior year, like trying to like get up to running, you know, a mile, two miles at a time, three miles at a time. And so I went to cross country practice and it was a couple hours before cheerleading practice started, which I was still doing. So it was so funny that people on the track were like, Morgan, cheerleading doesn't start for two more hours. And I was like, I'm here to run. Like. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of how I got into running. I met friends at the new school, um, my senior year through running as well as on the cheer team, but, um, I ended up loving it. It was so low key. Like we would go run for 20 minutes and we'd end up like goofing off in the woods for like (laughs) 10 of the 20 minutes we were supposed to be running.
1: Totally.
2: Um, so yeah, that just created kind of a lifelong like pull for me at least to date to run. And it hasn't stopped since then. Mm-hmm.
1: We need more of a glimpse into like the competitive cheerleading world. That's right. So, I was like, feeling. what? Tell us more. I mean, <laughs> this yeah, podcast is now called
0: Cheerleaders of the Bay. No, I'm
1: just kidding. <laughs> I mean, the Netflix, the Netflix show, you know, they do a good job of like pulling you into all the drama. And, like, so are you going to competitions? Like, is it that competitive? Um, are people tumbling with broken bones? Like, what is, what is the reality like from, from your perspective?
2: Yeah. Our coach wasn't that tough. She was really tough, but I don't think she would make us tumble. Like if we were injured, um, I like, no matter what I did, I could not figure out the tumbling part. So <laughs> my limbs, like, I just am not
1: built to
2: be a tumbler. <laughs> People like, are
1: not built to
2: do that. <laughs> yeah. So she, our practices are like two or three hours long. We practiced every day, oftentimes on the weekends too. Um, in the summer we had two days, Um, we did do competitions. So we had football season and we'd start preparing for like competition season, kind of in the middle of football season. And then we'd go to competitions as basketball season was starting. Um, So competition and basketball season would kind of coincide. So we could practice our routines like during halftime or between quarters, um, whatever it's called in basketball. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So it was pretty serious. We, we did like a little cheer camp in the summer too, for kids, which was really fun. But a lot of the women on our team, I guess, and we had men on the team too at that school. It was in Kentucky. So university of Louisville, you'll hear that on like on cheer, the mention going to camp there. So we would go there for, for camp in the summer. Um, but the people on the team were also, a lot of them were also on the track team too. So those were kind of some of the overlaps, like planted the seeds. Mm. Um, two of our captains were like, I think they won state or like they ranked very highly at state and the hurdles. So definitely some overlap there that pulled me into running.
0: I could see like the overlap from like an endurance perspective. I mean, you watch people doing these routines and I don't know, my exposure has been what I've seen on cheer and then what I may or may not have YouTubed. Um, But it seems like you need a lot of endurance to be able to keep up the stamina and the strength to do these like really intense stunts and just keep it up the entire time because you can't fall or like the whole thing
2: falls apart. Yeah. It's scary. Like I wasn't like a top person because I didn't tumble. Like I was on the base. So like protecting the people as they fall make sure they don't hit the ground. Like wow. that was super high stakes. Um, we would do like pretty complicated stunts. Um, so it is nerve wracking. Like you have to practice like throwing human beings up in the air, like when you're fatigued and there's no room for air and like we also were at a military a high school on a military base, so that added like a whole other level of discipline. Um, like we had to do a push up for every touchdown that our football team made, and they had to be like correct the correct form because like our dads would be in the audience and our parents would be in the audience, and they were like, they would not <laughs> want us to embarrass them our push up doing. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was super intense. So I absolutely loved it. Like. Yeah, that was great. That was my first like endurance type of sport, I suppose.
1: It's interesting because I feel like so many people who run in high school are like, it was super intense. Like this was the hardest thing I had to do, but it almost sounds like for you, cheer was that thing. And then running was actually like kind of chill. Like the practices are less time and there's maybe a little bit more fun. The stakes are a little bit lower. Like if you fall, okay, but you're not like going to fall and hurt a lot of people. Chances are.
2: That's true. I'm, I'm sure the track and cross country teams at that school were, were very intense as well, but I, I wasn't on them. Like yeah. they, I would go from cheering at a Friday night game, like go to bed, they would wake up, they'd all have their Saturday morning practice. And then they'd call me and I'd like roll out of bed and <laughs> <laughs> participate in the brunch.
1: So yeah. Perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah. When you did join a, a team in high school for running, um, like what were the biggest differences between sort of the dynamics? on the team, obviously like the intensity is different, but the dynamics of being on like, you know, the cheer team that you were on versus track and cross country team. I think
2: a lot of the differences probably came just from the two, they were two completely different environments. Like one was a very rural, very small school, um, very like homogenized, like whereas the school on base was fairly large and, very diverse um and we as students were very close like we didn't have like there there was like little bits of drama here and there not like what you see on cheer but <laughs> um because our parents were like getting deployed at the time like we all were like so close like siblings so i think the team dynamic is hard to compare between schools um but i did meet some of my like close friends on the cross country team too but it wasn't like that family level of bond Mm -hmm. that it was at the previous school.
0: So you decide to be part of the cross country team and, and run in high school. Like what was that like sort of coming to that sport after doing something like cheer and coming into it, maybe a little, like sort of not knowing exactly what, what you're doing or like what's to come, what was the adjustment like? And how did you sort of find your, your stride on the team early on? Um, I think I just showed up every day
2: with a positive attitude and like, I wanted to have fun, um, which is, I think the best thing to do in any situation. Like, even if it's something for work, like coming at it with like a playful perspective or trying to, you know, not make a game out of it, but just remembering that like, no matter what, it's not like most of the time, not like life or death, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people can get so serious and caught up in, you know, the technical details are like trying to get into like this extreme headspace. But um, I think everybody performs the best when they are more lighthearted and they, you know, take it for what it is, which is recreation, um, ultimately at the end of the day. So I think just being willing to like have an open mind. Like I knew I was beyond neophyte, like I had no idea what I was doing, um, helped a lot too. Cause people are more willing to like show you the ropes if you mm-hmm. come in you know, not knowing much mm-hmm. uh, or and admitting that, like being open about it. Then if you, if I came in and I was like, well, we did this in Kentucky or something, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like people would not take that. <laughs> very well. um, I hope I'm explaining that. Well, I'm probably not, but
1: no, no yeah, I, I think no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And it's such a useful skill, that ability to enter a space and embrace that you don't know things, be open about that. And like the playfulness and the positive attitude, it sounds, it sounds very obvious, but I think we all get caught up in like, am I being, or I get caught up. I won't speak for everybody. I get caught up sometimes, even when I know that's how I should be in, a, in an environment where I'm like, but do people expect me to know more? And are they going to actually like, you know, you can get in your head, Um, so it's, it's great that that's something that you were able to embrace in high school. Um, and it sounds like it's something that maybe even your, your professional life, which we'll get into a little bit, you know, you've, you've embraced as an adult too, which is, which is amazing. What did running look like in college? Did you run in college?
2: I did end up running in college, um, to my surprise, most of all, like I had no plans to do it. Um, Yeah. I trained for a half marathon my freshman year. I just, I wanted to keep running and I wasn't sure kind of how to do that beyond like just doing it on my own. Um, and I, you know, again, made some friends through doing that. Then my sophomore year, I think I placed like fairly well in my age group. So my goal being like a competitive person was like, okay, I'm going to win my age group next year. So I like did a whole little, I mapped out a whole little plan for myself. It's like, okay, I'm going to, train for a 10 K first, like get my VO two max up. And then like, I downloaded all these plans online, like cobbled them together. Like, um, obviously that's not like the end all be all factor that at the time I thought that it was, but just giving you my perspective, um, then I would just do the workouts. Like I always had like a few options for myself on the workout days. And I was running like 25, maybe 30 miles a week max. And I ended up Placing first to my age group for the half marathon my sophomore year. So at that point, I was like kind of wearing my friends down. Like they were like, Morgan, we're, we're not as into this like running thing as you are. <laughs> like you need to chill. Um, so I, <laughs> I had a friend who happened to be on the track team in one of my elective classes. And I guess sometimes they, she kind of heard like about it, I guess, that I had done the race and done like, okay. And she suggested that I email the coach and I said, the only way I'm emailing the coach is if I ask him if I can like run with the team on easy days, because I, there's no way like I could ever keep up otherwise. Um, so I ended up just, I was like, why not? The worst that can happen is he's going to say no. So I emailed the coach, Mitch Bentley, just completely cold email out of the blue. And I ended up hearing back from him the summer before my junior year. And he sent me the like entering freshman training plan to do. I think it was like six weeks of training, um, but there was a substantial amount of summer left. And so the back of the PDF was returning runner training. So I ended up doing the freshman training. And then I was like, well, what else <laughs> do, <laughs> I did, I do I do? <laughs> it was supposed to be a break, but um, I did the returning runner training too. And I couldn't finish everything. I did it on the treadmill mostly just cause I didn't know like how to do laps on the track or how that all worked. Um, we must've done it in high school. So I don't know why I was so cl- like, I, maybe I forgot. Um, <laughs> so I ended up showing up. They told me to come a couple days early, like when the team arrived and they were doing this run kind of in the hills of Athens, Ohio, it's in Appalachia. So it's a very beautiful area. Um, and I couldn't run with the team, but I could like follow behind, so I ended up falling behind. We did like 10 miles on the day. And somehow I just like, I don't know how I did it, but I ended up working up to like 40 or 50 miles a week. And I think the team saw like how I was working really hard and like did pretty well on this hilly, like introductory run. And they immediately just like welcomed me. in. like one of the pictures that I have in my apartment is the four, like we were going to be like the four juniors. So we took a picture together that first day, like on the side of the lake. And it just like seeing that gives me such good memories. Um, they were awesome. Um, and I definitely was probably a hard person to welcome. Cause I just didn't know what was going on. Like sprayed pretty ignorant as to a lot of like, I don't know, like, <laughs> so like things that, you know, you, you just learn from experiences. It cut pertains to running in a group. So they are very patient with me. And yeah, the next thing I knew, I was traveling to the meets and I ran
0: that conference and,
2: and my breakthrough race was at regionals, um, that first year. So
0: what is that like going from like, I'm going to, and a half marathon is not like anything to sort of laugh at. Like that's hard. You know, a lot of people do that like after college or later in life. Um, but going from like, I'm running this half marathon sort of fun, even though you're competitive with yourself and you want to do well to like, oh my gosh, they're giving me gear. I have a uniform and now I'm traveling with the team and competing against, you know, other, other women, my age and sort of in this collegiate environment, like how did your mind shift as an athlete and as a competitor to that environment?
2: Absolutely. So when Mitch, um, and Clay first told me that I would be traveling, I'd was in shock. Like, I don't even think I had the locker room code until like halfway through the season. Like not to like beat the point to the ground, but like one day they said we didn't have a workout and they meant like interval workout, but I didn't know the difference. And so I just didn't show up to practice. And I was out running on the bike path. They ran into me and I was like, I thought you said we didn't have a workout today. Like workout means intervals on the track. Yeah. (laughs) So it was, it was such a big adjustment. Like I showed up to the race. I'm like, okay, I, I can't believe I'm here. Honestly, I don't care if I get dead last. Like the fact that I'm towing the line right now is insane. And more than anything I ever like imagined that I would be doing with my life at this point. So I was just happy to be there. I had nothing felt like I had nothing to lose. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like that really freed me up mm-hmm. to like not be self-conscious because I didn't I had no idea how I was how I was there. Um and like Mitch was like just stay with the group as long as you can and then when you fall off you fall off. That's fine. Like every race you'll get you'll stay with them a little bit longer. Um so that's how I approached the the transition. Just it was just all fun to me, really, That the for the cross-country season. Um, in the spring, it definitely, I started feeling like some pressure to perform, not from other people, but internally. So
0: That's like the best way to be. No pressure. I'm here for fun. Like, this was all unexpected. Everything is kind of gravy. I mean, I'm sure once you're there, it changes, and you start putting pressure on yourself and setting expectations. But like, you know, you're not you didn't get a, to the best of my knowledge is a, like a scholarship to school. And like, that's your ability to attend that school is not like incumbent on your performance. And it's just more of like, this is something that brings me joy as opposed to something this is, I have to do.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I had, um, a full academic scholarship. So I did get, they were able to give me books, um, and then like a clothing stipend. Oh. And, um, my senior year, I also had meal plans, that's, um, that's amazing. which was so helpful. Yeah. I, I went from having to work a significant amount like during the school year to not having to work much at all, which was, it was so nice.
0: That's super helpful. So maybe there's some pressure. I don't know what academic scholarships, if you have to like keep your grades up, but at least from a running standpoint, that can be an outlet, not, not an added piece of pressure.
2: Exactly. I don't know how I would have approached it differently if my tuition had been dependent on mm-hmm. my running performance. I think that would have been an entirely different experience. Mm-hmm.
1: So you said you after that first those first couple of races that first season like in the spring you internally started like adding pressure. Like what where did that come from?
2: That's a good question. I think I saw that I was starting to have some success and we had like goal setting meetings with the coaches And I don't think it was intended to like put pressure on me at all. Cause again, like I was just getting, you know, like books and, um, and clothing, uh, clothing stipend at that time. Um, but I remember Mitch telling me he thought I could run a 1730 in the 5k that season. And I had no idea what that meant. Like I'd never prior to this, you know, broken. I don't even know if I'd broken 20 minutes before that, the summer before, um, so to me, it was just like my first race, first time doing the 5K. Like, I don't think I, 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 well, I definitely didn't hit 1730. And so I was like, felt like, oh my gosh, I am a failure. Like, I'm not performing to my potential. Like, I need to figure out how to like get myself there. And eventually I did run like 1737 at the end of the season. But I just remember like running 1752 or 1755 and just sobbing like in the bus on the way back. I called my mom and I was like, I can't, like, I only ran this time. And now I like, still, I don't think I've run that since that's I graduated. Really bad. <laughs> Um So now I know like, oh, breaking 18, like that's a huge deal. But I had no reference. My, all I knew is was I wasn't running the number that I thought that I could. Um, and I didn't understand why, but ultimately we got there. So it was, it was internal, but yeah, <laughs> that's kind of how it played out.
0: I think it's also hard when you're like, and sometimes you do have big breakthroughs, but like sometimes it takes a really long time to even take 10 seconds off a time or, you know, let let alone 30 seconds or 20 seconds. Like it's, especially when you're sort of, when you're running in that, at that pace, it's like every sort of split matters. It's so, it's so hard. I don't know like I remember trying to break 20 minutes in the 5k that's as much as I've gotten is I've broken 20 minutes in the 5k and it's just like wrapping your mind around and you know it's relative for every person but like wrapping your mind around what pace you have to run to be able to do that per mile and then like a 5k is so long it feels long when you're running that fast so like staying in that mentally particularly on the track when you're like you can look at like every split and every lap it's I don't know. It's my idea of hell. I hate track five K's. Anyway, it's awful. But so you, you had a little bit of a late start in college running, but did you just, did you run for two years or did you have an extra year? What did that look like for you? I technically had an extra year to use and then I could have redshirted
2: and gotten another year mm-hmm. because I, so coming out of that season, um, my coaches were like, okay, just keep doing what you're doing. Stay around, you know, 40 to 50 miles per week. Cause you're still progressing on that. But being the obnoxiously like competitive person that I am, and I've been working on this since then. So I'm not that bad anymore, <laughs> but I was like, no, like the top people on the team are running 70 plus miles mm. a week. So that summer I was like, I'm going to run 70 plus miles a week, even though I had absolutely no business doing that. And so I ended up getting several stress fractures. So I was out the majority of my senior year. And then, um, yeah, I just, I didn't really know how to proceed, like with using my eligibility in grad school and like financially college was a really, really stressful time for me. And Mm -hmm. so I was just like, I can't like, I need to just start like going to the workforce and like being a person. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What was that like having your first kind of injury from something that you're developing a passion for your senior year? It was really
2: hard. Um, I Since then, I think I've had like almost every injury you can possibly have because once you develop that imbalance, it's so hard to correct. And of course I would cross train, like I did not accept it well. <laughs> yeah. I cross trained like a mad woman, um, which kept me fit. But then if you're not, if you don't have the full impact, Like when you start, you know, running on the actual ground again, like your bones aren't strong enough to withstand the forces that you're putting on your body. So I got myself in like a very serious injury cycle, but it was, it was so hard. I, I think one thing that helped me through was, still participating like as much as I could with the team and getting excited about like my teammates successes. So like going to watch all the meets that I could, um, like getting to know like the sprinters and the throwers and just cheering them on, like going back to my, (laughs) my cheerleading days, I guess, just being a good teammate was the best thing I could have done. And that's, that really made it a better year than it sounds. If that Mm
0: -hmm. makes sense. Totally. Well, you still get to be a part of it. I think what's hard is like, We as runners, the default is if we can't run, like, what is our identity as a runner? Or like, if we're taking a break, like, are we still a runner? Like, I'm going through this right now. I'm taking a little bit of a break. And I'm like, can I still like call myself a runner if I'm only running three times a week, not seven plus because I'm doing doubles, right? It's, but like staying in the sport, whether that's cheering for your friends or, you know, being active on social media or whatever that means. Like, I don't know. I think it helps you stay connected, but it's also really hard. Cause then you're like, well, if I'm not doing it, like, what does it mean for me? Right. That is so difficult to reconcile, but I
2: always tell people like, no matter how much they run, like if you enjoy running, when you're able to run, like you're still a runner and you don't have to like define yourself by like in that niche either. Like I'm just a person who enjoys running. Like for me at one point in time, like I thought cheerleading was, was everything, you know, like if I couldn't cheer, like what, what could I do? But now I find that running's kind of fit in that spot, but having that experience of switching disciplines, it makes me think Mm -hmm. like, okay, as much as I love running, like I know if I couldn't do this anymore, there would probably be other like outlets that I'd end up finding in the meantime. Like I got super into hot yoga, um, for a few years when I wasn't, when I needed to just kind of take a complete break and that was really like cathartic. Um, but it is so difficult. Cause it's like some people have been running their entire lives too, which, um, I bet makes it even harder.
0: Hot mm-hmm. yoga is really hard. Sorry, I just <laughs> had to say that. Like, were you doing like the 90 minute, like Bikram, like crazy stuff? Yeah, hard. but I, it
2: was not smart. Like I don't recommend any of this. because, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like, I mean, it's fun like to do occasionally, but I was like, okay, like how many times a week can I do yeah. this? Like, can I, it was stretching to do all these things that again, like I had no business shouldn't, I shouldn't be trying to do. And I end up like straining weird tendons and like getting injured from my cross training. So yeah. just yeah. having a balance is something that I've worked on a lot over the years. Um, not getting too much into any one thing, I guess.
0: Yeah. That's a hundred percent my personality too. It's like, well, if I can't run and I'm going to do yoga, then I'm going to, I have to go every day of the week. Like that's just like, yeah. there's no such thing as like, Moderation. I'm not sure I've learned that. I'm not sure I'm as involved (laughs) as you in that.
2: I I I still have a lot to work on. I'm trying (laughs) to say I'm like not like this anymore. Like it's probably
0: toned down by
2: like ten percent.
0: It's hard because it's like okay, well then do I get the unlimited pack? Like (laughs) anyway, (laughs) the things the things that go through my brain. Um. So after college, you you start you enter the workforce. You start sort of moving on with your life, how does running fit into your post collegiate life after you heal your injuries and can get back into yeah. it?
2: Yeah. So I, and I re-injured myself with the same injury, like trying to come back for conferences my senior year. So I had to take like six more months off. Um, but I picked my job, um, right out of college. It was in digital marketing. I was very into that space at the time. Um, I still think it's, it's like a fascinating field, Um, But it was very flexible. So it was like 30 hours a week. And then I found a team um, called Cleveland Elite Development coached by Glenn Andrews in Cleveland. So my intent was to go train with them, see if I could qualify for um, the trials in the 5K, given like the rapid progress that I'd had to date, see if I could like parlay that into a fast development again, but you know, we had a very aggressive plan and I definitely got very fit. Um, I was not in that kind of shape at any point though, but it was, I was definitely like making good progress, but I just had some, like so many imbalances. So, um, after like a couple years of trying, I like, I just couldn't stay healthy. So I ended up focusing more and more on work, um, and had kind of channeled all that extra energy into like, taking grad school classes at night and getting my real estate license on the weekend. Um, and you know, helping our team, like grow our, our client base. I was in like real estate, um, commercial real estate consulting. I made a transition about nine months after graduating. Um, which was cool. Like I got to travel a ton. I think I visited like 19 different cities, like got to travel internationally, but I always felt like something was missing. Like I was filling kind of like a hole in my life with work, Eventually, I was transferred to Pittsburgh, and then out to San Francisco, um, and finally, I think I was able to get like healthy and injury free after taking like a complete break in twenty at the end of 2018. So I tried to run consistently through 2019, and then midway through 2020, I contacted my coach Glenn from Cleveland Elite. And asked if he would work with me remote. And he so he coached me for about a year um, and kind of got me back into shape. We just focused on base training, like really long, gentle stuff, worked on building my mileage. Like every time I got comfortable, he'd bump up my volume, which was exciting, <laughs> but also like kind of frustrating. So like, I know I can run faster, but just let me stay at this, <laughs> at this mileage. But um, I told him I wanted to do a marathon. I have no idea why <laughs> like, I, just, I got the idea one day. Um, but I still felt like I, I loved being on a team. Like I miss the team environment. And he was a huge proponent of the benefits of being in, um, in a group.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So he sent me some like criteria or things to look for in training groups. Um, and I kind of looked around here and that's how I found, um, Dina and PDC, so now I'm training with them and it's been going well. That's the, the whole saga,
0: really, post-collegiate running. Well, we're big fans of PDC and, and Dina.
1: <laughs> yeah, big fans. Like, When did you join PDC? What is, what is that? How long have you been there? And like, what has that experience been like compared to other training groups? Because you've been on a lot.
2: Absolutely. So um, it was similar in a lot of ways to Cleveland Elite, except Cleveland Elite development was all women. Mm. Um, There were about seven or eight of us and those women were all training for the marathon trials. So in that way, it was very similar because they had like very big goals um, and they, they took it very seriously. And I guess a big difference though, between the two is, you know, we have men and women. On PDC, and um, not that like the people at Cleveland Lake definitely had careers, but they're more like heavily career-oriented folks, I think. On PDC, just by nature of the area, like in Cleveland, you can you know take the time to you know take a a more flexible job um, and focus more fully on running, and you know still make ends meet fairly easily. But in an, in a market like the Bay. It's difficult to do something like that and be able to afford to live here, frankly. So um, it's really fascinating to see like how people who work in very intense roles are still training at such a high level, like and you know, having a life outside of outside of that too, which is I think that's just part of the running culture in the bay in general. it's It's awesome to see.
0: What have you learned from being a part of PDC this last year? Oh my gosh.
2: I've learned so much. So Dina is such a good coach. Um, the transition from Glenn to Dina was incredible. Like I kind of straddled both teams at once for a little while to get used to it. Um, but I guess the biggest thing I've learned is probably like how to appropriately like pace myself in workouts. Um, you know, we previously, I had just been going all out, like every single time. Like if I didn't leave the workout, like completely depleted, then I hadn't like given my best on the day. But, um, with PDC, like we, I think we're very, like, we do have hard workouts, but we're very intentional, like staying at a manageable level, like something that you can build on also just like how to make it fit, like make everything work. Like people you know, wake up very early to run, then they go to work and then they come home and do their second run. And then they lift and just understanding like how to structure your day productively around, around work and running. I guess the third thing is probably like nutrition as well. Um, I just didn't like, we didn't really do like team meals with Cleveland Elite like we do with PDC, which is, it's been enlightening, like just going to brunch and seeing like what like an appropriate <laughs> refueling, uh, I guess what, how, how much is appropriate to eat really. And like, we're very adamant about our snacks. Like we eat within 20 minutes of finishing the workout and we like, we did snacks to it, Cleveland the lead of course, but, um, for whatever reason, I'm just noticing it more. I think that's just also because that's something that I needed personally to work on. Um, given my injury history. Yeah. <laughs> Those are, Yes. The three main things. Those
0: are great lessons. I'm curious how, like, what is it? How do you fit it into your day? What does a typical day look like for you right now? So right now I am taking a
2: break before I rejoin my employer Rubicon point. So my days are pretty like laissez faire at the moment. Like I, I wake up, I have a little snack, I do my run, but I guess when I am back working full time, you know, I wake up early most of the time before the sun rises, like have a snack, hydrate, get a cup of coffee, do like my activations, um, and then get out the door for the run, um, have second breakfast as soon as you come home, um, shower and hop on zoom. So <laughs> as most of us do, um, and then I try to log off usually before it gets dark to do the second run. If I have a second run and have dinner and do it all over. So <laughs> it sounds kind of boring, but I think it's, it's a lot better if you meet up with friends and obviously you're doing what you love. So that makes it a lot better. Like I look forward to my runs every day.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. I mean, I think it sounds familiar for probably yeah. a lot of people yeah. listening. <laughs> it sounds familiar to me. People me and are like,
0: that's exactly what I do every yeah, day. Exactly. So. <laughs> I will say like the hop on the Zoom, you could even get, not that I ever do this, but you could actually get away with like not showering or like, I don't know, it makes it easier to fit it in when you're like, uh, well, I just have to look like I'm a human. No one needs <laughs> to tell me. That's very true. Like my
2: job is like somewhat like on site since we, mm-hmm. I work in, um, real estate investment management. select so like development, so oftentimes I'll have to like drive to an asset, meet with the architect's and contractors on site. So in those instances, I can't really get away with it. Yeah. But on Zoom, if we schedule a meeting and it's like before nine, I'm like, all right, like I'm I'm gonna be on, but I might not be on camera because I might mm-hmm. be like literally running in the door, like yeah, sweating. Yeah. Not wanting to sit in my desk chair because okay. I haven't showered yet.
1: Yeah. Relatable. Totally relatable. relatable. It happens most days. Yeah, Often, yeah. <laughs>
0: Often. <laughs> So when
1: you mentioned that, like, when you were talking to your old coach, I think you were saying Cleveland Elite, that like you threw out like running a marathon, but we know that you ran a marathon. So how did that, how did that, uh, how did that decision come about as you're training with PDC? <laughs>
2: Absolutely. So I got very into the idea. I guess the, the way it came about is my I made some friends. I went to a few San Francisco road runners workouts, like when I was first starting to get back into it, just to kind of see to so something that I still like to do <laughs> you know, going to track. Um, and I made some great friends. Um, Lily and Gordon, shout out to them. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we Gordon and I went on a, a hilly run up. We went to Hawks Hill one day, and it was the longest run I'd ever done. I think it was like 15 miles. And I was like, wow, 15 miles, 26. Like, I think I can basically <laughs> the same distance. Right. <laughs> Why <Yeah>. not? Like, <laughs> but more seriously, also, like marathon training is so much different than track training track is very short but it's very intense and given my injury history I figured marathon training would be more gentle on my body so you're on the roads a lot more the paces yeah you're running you know a very fast pace for a, a long period of time but it's not like super intense tight turns so I thought it could be a good way to ease back in to training overall um so Dina was on board when I presented her with the idea she did tell she warned me though like, To that point, I hadn't picked a marathon, um, until I think July of 2021, originally my goal race was the San Jose half. So that's what we had been building up towards. And so she kind of warned me like, Hey, we can do it. It's going to be hard to get you to peak at the right time. Given, you know, the half is two months from the marathon. Usually the window that most people follow is a month out. You run your half and then you start to taper. Um, So the training went really well. We started incorporating, I think we entered like a specific phase of training. So I hadn't really done a lot of like, uh, threshold pace intervals at all. Um, so once we threw those in, I kind of got to kind of see, get a little sneak peek of like how the marathon might go, I guess, like see what my fitness level really was. Um, Cleveland elite's approach is very like I think from what I've read, it's probably similar to like Bowerman's, where you're grinding, 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 and then you let up and you come up for air and you're like, oh, wow, like who? I didn't realize, you know, I was a spit because you, the um, density is so high. But Dina's approach is different. It's still hard, just in a different way. Um, so that switch was super interesting to me, like incorporating more of the threshold work. Um, I did the half and it went, it went like shockingly well. And then the next month, I just did stuff I'd never like really been able to do before. Like I think I pr'd in the ten k like three times in a week in workouts. Like it was so awesome. I was like, what? I felt like somebody like took my legs off and plopped a new pair on, <laughs> and I was like, this is like this That's is great. Best. I can do this all day. but, oh,
0: so
1: good.
2: Um, I, she was so right though, and I also like I kind of hit a wall at the beginning of November. And she was like, you should really have your, your blood work done. Cause it seems like it was a very drastic drop off. Mm. Um, and I of course did not listen. I was like, no, it's just cause I suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, <Okay. laughs> just thinking in my head, like, I just am probably not good at this marathon thing. And that's why it's so hard all of a sudden, like thinking, like, I knew it's too good to be true. Like this, you know, things that weren't like healthy thoughts. Um, but when you're so tired from marathon training, I think it's hard to like, really think clearly. Um, so I ended up still running the marathon. CIM. Um, but even like the week before the race, I couldn't even finish like an hour long run. <laughs> so it was really, I don't know why I like was thinking it would magically be fine on race day. Um, but it was a grind. It was still like, I would still do it over. I think because I, it was so rewarding to cross the line. Um, but I was like hobbling it in the last mile. <laughs> I was kind of embarrassing cuz I was like, "It's fine. Like I'm going to be fine. Just don't look at me." Like, let me finish." <laughs> um, and then I got my blood work done like a month after cuz I wasn't recovering. And it said that I was I had low ferritin. My vitamin B was like depleted completely, and then I had low vitamin D as well. Mm. So, I was triple whammy like all the things were wrong. So I felt pretty stupid at that point, but that's why you have smart coaches to listen to when they tell you your blood work done before races. So you don't have to put yourself through things like that. (laughs) So,
0: yeah, I've known Dina for a while now. And if there's one thing I've learned in this life is listen to Dina about everything. Yeah. (laughs) Literally everything. (laughs) Um, you know, but I think that that's like, what you've just described, particularly for your first marathon is again, really relatable. And you learn things through every single marathon training cycle. Like clearly you got yourself super fit and had the marathon been a month earlier, like maybe things would have been different, but you take everything that you learn from whether it's the training cycle, the race itself, and you can apply it for the next. And, you know, I'll be honest, I've done 10 road marathons and I still kind of don't know what the hell I'm doing. You have to like, you know, just it's almost like you're learning things from the last, but you're also starting over each time and listening to your body and doing all the things and like believing yourself and not telling yourself that you're terrible, <laughs> like that you suck <laughs> and you know that positive <laughs> self talk. But that's gonna come.
2: Absolutely, yeah. That's that's such a good point. Like, and who knows? Maybe I would have ended up just the same. But it's the crazy thing about the marathon, too, like you don't know. Right. It's it's a sneaky sneaky race because it's so long. Anything can happen.
0: I, and I remember like your teammate, Jen, you know, had big goals in the fall and I don't want to speak for Jen, but I know like had a rough day in Chicago and then came back at CIM and like every race is a learning opportunity and it's, it never, never goes perfectly. Well, sometimes it does, but
2: rarely. That's so true. Oh my gosh. How could I forget? Like that was one of the, the biggest like things, like I didn't even really, like I cared that my race hadn't gone as planned, but seeing people have such good days that were on my team. I like crossed the line, like felt sorry for myself for like five seconds. And then instantly was like, how did everyone else do? Like, it was so inspiring to see Jen, like she crushed it. And I knew like, we all knew everybody on the team was like, that is not like Chicago is not indicative of her potential. And so that takes a lot of pressure off, like seeing other people like handle, you know, disappointment well, and like not letting it get them down, coming back and, you know, being able to do a better job the next time. Um, that was so inspiring I was so pumped for her, you know, a few other people had great days on the team that day too. So it was awesome to just focus on celebrating them. Um, coming into it, I was just like, as long as I cross the line, like ultimately that was my eight, like I had a reverse a goal, B goal, C goal, like <laughs> cross the line was my A goal
0: for sure. That, that's good. I was going to say, it's, that. it's amazing how fast your goals shift from like this time to this time to like just finish. Just yeah. Die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: So you mentioned maybe another marathon, but like, what do you, what's getting you fired up for training this year? what, what's exciting? What feels fun?
2: Sure. So really like I was like, okay, I'm going to get this marathon thing out of the way. And then I can't wait to have a good track season. I was so excited. Um, but the recovery from all of the deficiencies, it takes a long time. Like you have to be really patient. because your body's super sensitive. So I've kind of shifted things around a bit. Like I'll be really excited if I can do like a road 10k or a 5k this spring. Um, and then I think the plan right now is to start another build in the summer um, and do a fall marathon. So ideally, if things play out well, I'll be able to also support the team like through our cross-country season um, after taking some time to recover from the marathon, which I love the idea of because I, I think the team aspect of it is so great. Yeah, so I'm focused on that primarily. There's the Carlsbad 5000 at the end of May, um, May 22nd, which is kind of my target race. I'm like, as long as I get to run that and I feel like I'm, I've gotten a good opportunity to train, I'll be happy. I mean, I'll be happy either. way. what am I saying? But (laughs) I'll be that that'll be exciting.
0: Are there any marathons that are sort of like on your bucket list that you really want to run?
2: Um, I think running in Paris would be really fun just because I've always wanted to go there and I haven't been yet. But other than that, like, I just, it just running with my teammates would be awesome too. Like I don't really have a specific tie to any one geography right now that I can think of, honestly, just being able to to feel like I'm running to my potential and then getting to have a team aspect.
0: I've heard this rumor and I don't know if it's true. So just don't listen to me if it's not true that during the, the Paris 2024 Olympics that they were gonna like open the marathon up to be like a people's marathon too. That's what I heard. And I really want to run that. You should run it. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. It'd be
2: fun to oh run you guys. You should run <laughs> we'll, we'll run it together. Yeah, yeah. That would be so cool. And just to be in, be at the Olympics to get to watch the races. That would be so
0: amazing. Yeah. That'd be super cool. So before we wrap up with some fun end of the podcast questions, like when you think about your relationship with running and what that looks like, you know, really for the rest of your life, like the next 20, 40, 60 years, like what do you hope that is? And what do you, what do you want from it? Sure. So ultimately I just want to stay healthy and consistent and be able to
2: run for a long time. Like there's a concept I read. um, Oh my gosh, Maria Konnikova's book. I'm blanking on the name, but um just like being able to play the next round, the biggest bet, the biggest bluff. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I'm not like, not that I'm bluffing or anything, but I just like (laughs) want to like stay in the game. Ultimately, like any decision that I make regarding running, like, am I setting myself up to like be able to continue to work hard and compete next year? So I think that ideally will help me like meter my effort. So that's like a long-term goal of mine is to be, you know, 38, 39, 40, 41, 32, and continuing to like chase goals what in whatever form that they might manifest themselves, you know, based on you know other life factors. So that's how I hope that it, I guess, evolves. Um, yeah.
1: Oh, I love that. Shout out to that book. That and is a great book. Looking up
0: that book. I'm going the on a trip. Bluff. I need a book to yeah, read. Yeah.
1: It's a it, it's a good one. I remember taking so much away from that. I'm like not that interested in poker, but I really loved her perspective on like approaching it from the side of like is it is this a math game or is this like a I know people game? Mm. And I won't give it away, but it's uh, it's she comes down on one side of that argument. Okay, let's end with some fun rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> Uh, where is your favorite place for a long run in the Bay area? Oh, that's so hard. Um,
2: I have to pick just one? Uh, <laughs> if it's a workout, I like to do Lake Merced. I don't know what it is. I could run in loops like all day long. Um, so just doing loops and loops and loops at Lake Merced's like really cathartic to me for some reason. If it's an out and back, I think Canyada has some potential. I think it could be up there in the rankings, um, the one time that I ran it, it was the, um, atmospheric river day though. So that wasn't the best experience, <laughs> but I think that it could, I think that could be a top contender as well. It looked like it had potential through the torrential downpour. <laughs> yeah,
1: it definitely has potential. <laughs> it has potential. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to come back on this. <laughs> <On laughs> a a atmospheric rain day. Uh, if you could go on a long run with anyone, who would it be?
2: Oh, um, I would have to say RBG. I'm such an RBG fan. Like I love Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm -hmm. Um, if she were alive and a runner, I would love to go on a long run with her and just hear about her experiences in law and, um, working for women's rights. Yeah.
1: I love that I love it's that answer. answer. I just actually my mom is a painter. Actually, yeah. Wait, Mimi's treadmill is named oh, Ruth. That's true.
0: Ah. I forgot about that. We did name it <laughs> after her cuz it was like right <laughs> after she died and I was very sad. That's morbid. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But I love that. I always think about that when you put up treadmill runs. And then my I mom totally forgot about her, that. <laughs> I just had her I, commission, I commissioned my mother to make me a um a painting for my office that's of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and I'm can't wait to put it up. It's so cool. Um okay, I have no idea how you're going to answer this, Morgan. What is your favorite race distance?
0: <sighs>
2: Sadly, I think it's a 1500 but I am not skilled. We haven't even talked fast. about that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just too fast to overthink it. Like it happens so quickly, you just have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a little bit of strategy involved because you have to get yourself in a position to kick. And like you think about other people's abilities, like if they're you know leaning towards the 800, you know, you don't want them to be in a good spot coming into the last lab. But if they're a longer distance person, you can think about maybe out kicking them. Yeah. I think the 1500 or I'm a complete weirdo and I do really like the 10 K on the track too, like just getting in the zone and running laps. So
1: (laughs) yeah. Loops on loops. It's like a very mini Lake Merced. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. How would you finish the sentence? When I'm not running, you can find me.
2: I guess besides working and reading, I love, I love trade. And I'm thinking it's actually Finite and Infinite Games by James P. It's Not, I mean the biggest bluff kind of read the prior answer, but also that's like major running goal inspo. So. So
1: okay. I haven't read that one. Okay, now, yeah, now I'm picking that one up.
0: What's the best, most recent book that you've read? Oh, that's so
1: hard. I
2: at any time I'm reading like 10, <laughs> like I just alternate among them, and then some of them I just end up dropping and not picking back up. Like if I mm-hmm. don't like a book, I have no qualms about abandoning it, which is, I don't know if that's good or not, but I'm reading, I came as a shadow by John Thompson. Um, he's a basketball coach, which I think is super enlightening. I just finished 1984, which is really cool. I've been like on a, um, like dystopian futurism kick lately. Um, and then I'm reading a book of essays by Mary Oliver, I think it's like called Why Awake Early or something like that. I'm butchering the name, but it's really beautiful. Like, that's definitely the
1: bedtime read. Oh, yeah. Mary Oliver, like, I mean, her poems, her, her writing is just like so, so beautiful. Okay, Morgan, final, last, most important question burger, burrito, or pizza?
2: Oh, I, it depends on the context, probably, but most of the time I would have to say burrito.
1: Nice. Welcome to team burrito. Where do you like to get your burritos?
2: Oh, uh, I'm forgetting that it's called Napalo. It's like right on the street from my house. Is it, is it no burrito? Something like that. Um, there's one really close to Arizmendi too. So like after long runs, I go grab my burrito in the mission and I swing by Arizmendi and load up on bread and scones for the week. Um, that's my, I think it's no I think that's what it's called.
1: <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, I love it. Well, ending a long run with burrito and then baked goods on top of that. That sounds just right to me. Um, Morgan, thank you so much for for sharing. We had so much fun talking to you. Um, we're definitely all running the Paris Marathon, Olympics, free for all. Um, and But I'm sure we'll see you out on the roads um, before then. So thanks for coming on the pod.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah, we have to run together before 2024,
1: (laughs) for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Morgan Mead. You can find Morgan on Instagram at underscore Morgan underscore Mead, M-E-A-D-E underscore. You can find her on Twitter at Morganmead underscore SF and make sure to check her out on Strava. As always, you can follow us at Runners of the Bay on Twitter and on Instagram at Runners of the Bay. Send us an email, Runners of the at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. We would be so grateful if you could leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or now on Spotify. Thanks so much and we'll talk to you soon.